About the Church podcast, episode number 46. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG Hollins. And we're here once again to generally speak about the church. This is a place where we talk about real faith with real talk. It's actually <laughs> real talk about real faith, but I kind of got it. We're not fake talking around here, people. We, it's all authentic. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So, folks, thank you for joining us once again for another episode. Do we have anything to debate like last week, man? Because that was really cool. Um, I, no, I don't. I'm pretty. I'm dry today. Are you dry today? I am. Oh man. Sorry. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to think of something else. We <laughs> oh, can. I'm sure life will bring some other things up. <laughs> I like I like I like having debates over non-essential issues. It is fun. I, I mean. And, and I, with Christians, I do exactly, and I and I think that also you have to you have to define debate as a healthy debate. Yeah, like, healthy like debate. Debate team, like you know, yes, what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. It's uh, it's it's great for being able to get both sides of an issue out there to be able to have some discussion on. So. Yeah, yeah, it's fun stuff. Fight, 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 <laughs> Professor Allen. In our chat room, they're saying fight, fight, fight. All right, so we're just going to move straight into some feedback since we didn't have it last week. Exactly. And, exactly. We, and we want you guys to know how important you are to us. And so when you want to, you can at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can pick up the phone. Actually, you don't even have to pick up the phone. Actually, yeah, you do. Pick up the <laughs> phone. But you don't have to dial because you probably have this number in your speed dial. Or we'd like for you to. Exactly. Exactly. And we invite you to put it in your your speed dial right now. Area code 859-795-4067. And here is our first caller for this week. Hey, Cliff. It's Fred from Long Island. And I'm uh, just listening to Family from the Heart. Oh, and um, you know what? And it's the wrong show. <laughs> well, Fred, call We're like it. a family. We you are. Like, you and I, I consider you a brother. There we go. Well, let's move on to the next caller. Hi, Cliff and DG. Um, I was just listening to um, the 43rd episode of the About the Church podcast. And, um, oh, by the way, this is Melinda from Dallas. I'm sorry. I'm not quite with it today. Um, Anyway, what I was calling about is um, I have a friend, and she is... Just an amazing female pastor, by the way, Cliff. Um, Anyway, she actually teaches homiletics at SMU. And she made the statement once, and this has always struck with me, and it's just an amazing statement when you sit and think about it. And she said that God loves sinners, and that includes the worst of sinners, as much as he loves us. And I don't know, it it just really hit home with me that, you know, if God can love the worst of sinners, then I'm certainly called to do so myself. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with you all and um, keep up the great work you're doing. I am absolutely loving this show more than any other podcast I listen to. Wow. So you guys rock. You're great. Bye. 
Melinda, thank you so much. And yes, that is very powerful truth. And the fact is, is that God does love everyone. And, and you know what? We say that all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but is there ever a time in your mind, DG, where you actually struggle to to really understand what that what that phrase the the totality of that phrase? Yeah, I, I, it's not something that most people want to dwell on because <laughs> it's a lot easier to dislike somebody and, and much less uh, join the join the join the the um, I don't know join the uh, the struggle that it is to be able to love an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had this discussion one time. I don't know if I've said this before or not, but uh, at the church that I'm at right now in Florence, um, World War II vet. And uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, praying for our persecutors and loving our enemies. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, every day in church, we are always praying for our troops. But we rarely, if ever, unless I'm the one doing the praying, do we ever pray for our enemies. Right. Um, and uh, pray for those who persecute us. And um, and I'm not just talking, you know, from the U.S.'s standpoint. I'm just I'm just talking about, you know, everyone, but especially from our enemies, you know, war or whatever else. God does love all people, including terrorists, including, you know, countries that might be against the U.S. And I, t- I told him that I said, why don't we pray for our enemies? I mean, we have a cross with all of our troops names on it. But where, you know, where's the cross to remind us to pray for our enemies or those who persecute us? And he said, I'm not I won't do it. Mm. And um, and my response to him is, then you need to question your Christianity. Yeah, and he did not want to hear that. <laughs> but um, and and I, I'm really surprised I said that, but I did not say it out of my own out of my own heart. I mean, I that was that was from God. That's too bold of a statement for me to say. <laughs> and I just and I just said, you know, we have got to seriously question who we are yeah. uh, in Christ. If 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 God is calling us to love our neighbor. And when he tells the story about loving your neighbor and your neighbor was your, you know, was your political enemy at that time, as well as a religious enemy. Um, and he's saying, you know, which one loved this man? These, you know, it was the neighbor and he, he defined out what neighbor was. It was the enemy. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I, it just, it, to me, it is a very, very real and powerful statement that should be brought up often especially in the Christian church and yep. saying how to deal. And we talked a little bit about that too, about, you know, does God love Satan mm-hmm. and, uh, and things like that. Cause that's the worst, you know, that's well, see, the, the, see, the worst. God loves people. Satan's certainly not a person. So I'm not quite sure that I, I go fully to that. Extent, oh dude, I but, do. I do in a heartbeat. Yeah. There's I, no I, doubt in my mind that God loves Satan. Well, that, I have no idea that, that, that one, you know what? You're probably right. I mean, God, God has to love. I, I think he would, I, I would imagine not, I'm not going to tell God what he has to do. I can only imagine. I can only imagine that <laughs> God loves all things that he's created. Yeah. Yeah. Although some things that he's created has brought great grief to his heart. Of course. So um, this reminds me of an argument that was had at a certain. <laughs> you are wanting to bring up an argument. No, 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 no. Fight, fight, fight. Yes. I'm just joking. Just joking. But this this bring, brings up a, a discussion a heated discussion that once took place in this institution uh, somewhere near here. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, it was it was a night where our organization... And by here you mean the Milky Way galaxy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Somewhere within the, this galaxy. Um, but anyway, there was this organization that decided to have a special 
invite everybody in the organization to spend Halloween here kind of thing. Oh, okay. So this is a church-wide event. Now, this this organization happens to be in a, an organization with uh, about 7,000 people who usually attend the gatherings of such an organization. Okay. So uh, not to impl- make any implications on any certain organization, but anyway. <laughs> you're, you're being extremely wonderfully vague. Exactly. <laughs> so so anyway, um, they they didn't call it a Halloween night. It was it was the fall, fall festival. festival. Oh, fall yeah, family yeah. festival. Well, I, that, every church names it that. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, everybody in the this organization was asking their families to please don't send your kids out into the neighborhoods. Bring them here inside right. our organization's walls where it is safe and secure right. and where we are not sending them out among strangers. Yes. yes. And I'm like, and this, this, I mean, I, I, I finally got rid of the, the documentation that was distributed via electronic means and also uh, uh, paper products sure. that was sent out to, that basically says we must avoid the enemy at all cost on October 31st. Definitely. Yeah. And I just, the, I, you know, there was, there was a, there was a little right. I, I, maybe it was self-righteous, self-righteous, just anger, <laughs> a little self-righteous indignation. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Indignation. I was just, it's like, this rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and of course, there were some families that decided, no, our kids are putting on their Power Rangers outfit. and Or the, Harry Potter. Or the, well, yeah, it could be Harry Potter. <gasps> but uh, our, our... Warlocks and witches? Yeah. Warlocks and witches, exactly. But anyway, our kids are putting on the little princess costumes and the 50s little doodle bop dress or whatever and we're going to go out and and knock on these strangers doors and we're gonna say trick-or-treat and we're gonna go through and let our kids see other people (gasps) (laughs) let them see them yes let them know that other people exist and on this one night of the year that people open up the doors of their homes sit out and in an act of generosity go out of their way in some of their already very tightly stressed out budgets, go out and buy bags of candies, sit out and for a couple hours say, listen, we want to do something for the kids in the neighborhood. Right. You know, let us show goodwill towards all men yeah. and whoever they are and let's give them a treat. I, I mean, are there some bad things that happen on October 31st? Well, the thing is, is if you see them on the news, that means that it's not happening all that often or else it's not quote unquote news. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, some bad things happen in some bad places. But overall, I've never heard in all of my life in the area where I live w- any story on the news about somebody having something bad delivered to them on Halloween night right. as a result of going through one of our local area neighborhoods. Never has happened in right. my area. Right. So with that. Here, here's the situation. What these? What what does it communicate? What does it communicate to my next door neighbors, who are non-Christian, who are what DG would call normal people? What does it communicate to them if they were to happen to see the the um, the the five by seven card? That my, when my kids go and grab all the mail and they accidentally drop that card on the ground and it blows into my neighbor's yard. 
And it says, beware of the enemy next door. Please protect your kids from those people and bring them to our guarded gates of hallowed bliss. <laughs> yeah. And, and what you're really what you're talking about is the argument of sacred versus secular. Mm hmm. And um, and and it is this thought, this notion of we will seclude ourselves into our Christian ghettos, and we will not be tarnished or tainted by, you know, you know, the world outside. And we have to seclude ourselves, and we have to, um, and it's and it's a way of separating us, and and blah 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 blah. But I I I. A part of me, there's a part of me that says, hey, cool, you know, that's, we are supposed to be set apart. We are supposed to be different than the mm-hmm. world. But then I also, then I look at God himself in the form of Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to see how Christ was, you know, he was not secluding himself from the world. He was living in a new reality in the midst of this world. Yes. And so, you know, it, but the same argument goes and you can you, know, you can do it for Halloween. You can do it for rated R movies. You can do it for you know, whatever it is that you want to protect uh, even public schooling. I mean, I know some some parents that use homeschooling as that excuse. It's not you know, it's not a healthy thing. It really is. I'm not going to let my kids be tarnished by the world. Uh, and then then they get to college and just go, you know, crazy. Yeah. Because they've been sheltered and they have no idea how to relate to the world and how to even speak to the world. And and, um, and well, I think that's, that, a, it's that's a huge challenge. That And I just want to say for homeschoolers, that's not always the case. There are a lot of no, no, places no, 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 no. where where the homeschooling is, is a result of not the best educational possibilities in your given area and stuff exactly. like that. And, no, no, no. And, and some homeschooling teams have wonderful co-ops and oh, sure. kids know how to relate. So but uh, it's, we, it's, I just want to throw that just, out there because yeah, yeah, we sure, have a lot sure, of homeschoolers sure. and, and definitely don't want to throw out any generalizations. No, no, but no. I do know I, I have met homeschooling families where that is the primary purpose. Right. And, and it's, it, and the issue is well beyond just the homeschooling. It's just the overall sheltering altogether. Sure. Sure. And I just, but it's, it's, it's that it, it really is this belief of separating the secular versus the sacred. And, um, and I, and I think that I'm I I am choosing to live my life to to help bring about this new way of existing, this new reality of the kingdom of Christ um, by bringing and re um, how do I how do I say this reaffirming that that what most people would consider secular, you can find the sacred within it. Yeah. the The problem and with live into that. The problem with going to the extreme of of remaining sacred and and isolating yourself from all that is secular is is it it really drives this us versus them mentality exactly that that we are i mean and and i have to imagine that this is really what was the catalyst for these crusades these ungodly acts where people went out and literally brought the gospel with sword and death you know, it's, it's, it's like we must conquer these people who are heathens, who are outside of the will of God. And and right. I, I really do believe it's a slippery slope when we sure. when we isolate ourselves from from the masses who are not Christian, who do not validate our own uh, version of Christianity or what we believe. Sure. And, and I must say, and I'm going to admit to everybody here, and I've shared this before and I'll probably share it again in the future. For a lot of my Christian life, where I, from the time I became 
completely devoted and sold out to Jesus Christ, uh, for the first seven, eight years of my Christian existence, I was very much all about isolating myself from outward influences that were ungodly. Yeah. yeah. And I pretty much spent 99.999% of my time with Christian people who validated what I believed, thought, and felt about Christianity. Right. And if you did not, then you were, well, honestly, in 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 a in a very real sense, you did not exist to me. Right. You were not a part of the world in which I lived in. And I did not realize that it had gotten that bad. And I remember some conversations I had with what you call normal people, non-Christians. And as far as I was concerned, and, and, and I am not proud of this, but it's the simple truth that if I had a conversation with somebody who was a non-Christian back then, if I did not feel that there was a chance that I could convince them to affirm what I believe, then there was no way in heck that I would ever consider playing or uh, sacrificing any time or energy in building and establishing a relationship with that right, person. Right. Because what good is there? Right. It's useless. It's if useless. If I can't do it, then God surely can't do it. <laughs> exactly. And and so I will tell you, it, it, I think it's a very dangerous thing. And I think what Melinda said is true, and, and it's the basics of it. We really must be mindful of the fact that God loves everyone sure well you know okay can I, this is going to be a different subject is that really cool is that all right do I you think mind this is generally speaking about the church dg do <laughs> you right. really think so, i mind if we change so the last sunday we had a discussion at, a, at one of our waters gatherings okay and of course this is the one that has agnostics and buddhists and christians and one of the christian guys pulls out a million dollar bill tract have you seen this? Have you seen the million dollar bill? No, track? but have, we've talked about tracks before, haven't we? I think so, yeah. Yeah, but go ahead. But he pulled it out and he was like, hey, check this, check this out. This is what some dude gave me at work. And uh, <laughs> as a means of reaching out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, do y'all, and the guy said, do you, you know, would you break a million? You know, and, you know, he just was joking. And then he, but the guy put it back in his wallet. He didn't actually give it to him. And he was like, well, hey, can I have that? That's cool looking. So he's like, sure, I got plenty, of course, you know. Uh, but he didn't make a huge big deal about it. Um, but one of the other guys that goes to the waters, um, I think he considers himself to be agnostic. Um, he he basically said, I mean, he just went off. He got so ticked uh, that he said, because when I worked in retail, people would literally give that instead of a tip. Oh, yeah. And those, they think, those are really righteous Christians. Oh my gosh! And they think that they're doing something good. They think, and so you know, I, I really believe that the heart intentions are there. I, I really, mm-hmm. it really frustrates me. But I think they they have the right oh, intention. What I'm giving you is far more valuable than what gold exactly, could exactly, give you. Exactly. And so we had a great discussion about tracks, and I think we've mentioned that in the past. You know, I just I, th- I think they're lazy. I, th- yes. I think that it's the it's the it's the product of a lazy Christian that's not willing to put the time, put the energy, put the sacrifice involved into developing relationships with other people. They're letting a piece of paper do it for them. I used to collect tracks. I, I, honestly, I want to tell you, I think they're fun to read. Personally, okay. as a Christian, they're fun <laughs> to read. Some of them, some of them are quite creative. Yeah, some and, of them and, cartoons and, some, and, yeah, and I, comic book. I really do like the ones that that have the pop culture references. Right. You know, I love con- I love reading the tracks that talk, you know, that that show a, a picture of Harry Potter and and have a story <laughs> that kind of ties into the gospel message. But not to give away and not to sit down and go through it with another 
non-believer. Right, right, right. But for me, I really like it's like I like reading it to see how people are taking something that is that is secular right. and and looking for themes where God could speak to that circumstance or to this cultural reference right. and and helping me to better broaden my horizon on topics such as that. It just ticks me off. I I, I don't <laughs> like the I do not like the purpose for which tracks are made. Sure, sure. But I, do, I, I if anything I wish they had Christian comics. <laughs> you know? Well, they do. do they, they do. They, yeah, they have they have But some. I mean f- specifically for training people to how the right, to right. to think um about popular culture in a way right. that helps them to find ways to to really You you like the fact that it could actually be helping bridge the gap between sacred and secular. Yes. If you're using something that might look secular but bringing faith into it. And, and you know, I think that's that's true of so many Christian t-shirts I see out there. Um, that take like the Coca-Cola symbol and they, you know, they, they, they tweak it to be a cross or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. You see all those different kinds of, of things. Um, I like to, the, me, I remember the old church that said, or the old shirt that said, uh, it, it, you know, it took the Intel inside and it says Jesus. Inside. Oh, yeah, exactly. That was cool. I man. just find those really cheesy. They, they, they are cheesy me. today, but when they first came out, they were cool. They are. And the reason, the first time that I ever really got challenged by this, I was sitting in my car, listening to NPR, and a nun was being interviewed. Uh-huh. And this is really, really way off for me. I never listened to NPR when I was in college. <laughs> I like it now a lot. But but um, I was listening to NPR. This nun was saying, why would I have to allow a plastic ichthus fish on the back of my car to be my voice for Christ? Yeah. I, I desire to live it with my life. When I heard that, mm-hmm. my paradigm was shattered. Yep. And I literally immediately went to the back of my car and ripped off the ichthus. And I said, and I said in a prayer, I was like, God, I desire to live my life for you, not to have a shirt say it for me or, you know, a tract or, or even a little silver ichthus on the back of my car. I want to live it with my life. Right. And it was just... I, I that blew me away when I had that. It was a huge revelation in my life. Well, I want to say the the four spiritual laws is a little book. It's 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 I would say it's considered to be a track. Oh, uh, the definitely. four spiritual laws. Uh, they have another one called the Roman Road, but four spiritual laws was a big one for me. And I want to tell you that this was an instance of a track that was instrumental in helping me to understand how to relate the Christian message in a way. When people ask me questions, so what's this whole thing about? It's about the fact that God created a perfect world. He created a man and woman. He created us to be in relationship with one another. Uh, there was disobedience, which is sin, and it separated us from God. And that the the situation is not so much the sin as much as it is there's a relationship that needs to be restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a way that God has provided, and of course there's there is the you know the the sin calls this death, which is known as you know separation from God, and then there's this ability for us to be bridged back together through through Christ, and so. Uh, what Christ did on the cross uh, is to pay for the penalty of that disobedience and that sin. And, of course, we have this opportunity to come and all that accept him and believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done. And, and that that's going to bridge this gap. And, and of course, that that book I had oftentimes sat down and not said, hey, uh, my name's Cliff. You know, we're having lunch here. And do you mind if I share this with you? 
I have I never did that. But there were often times when I was a brand new Christian and didn't quite know all the verses and everything, where people would say, Cliff, I am really I've been a visit I've been going to church with you, I've been coming to your Bible study group and stuff like that. And and I I, I want to accept Christ. What's this all about? I, mm-hmm. I really want to become a Christian. And I'll be honest with you, at the time I was kind of clueless as to how to do this on my own. Sure. Okay, and so I pull out the four spiritual laws, which I kept with me all the time. Right. And I said, listen, I want you to understand this is incredibly simple and a simplified version of everything. But it's right. gonna but it's gonna help you to understand some things. We're gonna go through and I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna find you some Bible studies that we're gonna go through together and I'll help you if you're interested and, and go through it. But let me just share these basics with you and, and I apologize that you know I'm not a I, I'm not well versed in all this stuff, but sure. I, I I do know these things to be true. And what I did is I went through and I shared it and we read step one and I kind of shared my life experience and how it relates to step one and then step two and we went through it and I read it and showed him the scriptures in the Bible and talked about it. And see, that's I, that's why I say it's like I, I don't want to just throw this stuff out. But what I think is these things are there are some there are some things that could there are some uses for some of this stuff that that if it was used properly and if it was used in relationship and people were trained in some of this stuff, I don't think they have to be all that bad. I, but, I, I think that, I don't know, I want, I want to update them. Okay. Does that make sense? I want to update it because I don't think that if you just walked up to somebody and say, here are four spiritual laws uh-huh. to a normal person, mm-hmm. they're going to hear law. Yeah. And they're going to hear spiritual, which is okay. I'm cool with that. I, I think that we are spiritual beings. A lot of spirituality is being kind of dealt with and kind of played with and toyed with, even in the normal with normal people, especially in the world we live in today. But I think what's going to be more effective than laws, and it just sounds like a step-by-step how to improve your life kind of thing, I think what would be so much more powerful is to is to bring back story and to be able to say, why are yes. we why are we shoving the Bible into four steps Yeah, when it was meant to be a story to begin with? Yep. And story is so much more effective. And then you can t- intertwine your life story within this story, and then you can encourage them to intertwine their life into into this story. Maybe we could put a, a warning label on all tracks that says, warning, if this was delivered to you in any means other than through a, <laughs> a one-on-one session with somebody who has invested time and energy and a relationship <laughs> with you over a period of time where they sat down and shared their personal story along the lines of what happened here, <laughs> do not listen to this because this is going to be completely too much of a, of, of a cheesy act of yeah, cowardness yeah. of... Well- <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Disclaimers on Discla- all tracks. Disclaimers on all tracks. <laughs> Let me, uh, uh, DG. You're an out. You're you're an outspoken, extroverted kind of guy. I sure. Okay. You are. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Okay. A lot of people probably think that I am as well. Okay. And and I am when it comes to people I know. Yeah. Okay. okay. If if I know you and have had the opportunity of meeting you once or twice, the ice is broken. I'm a total extrovert. No problem at all. Put me in front of a, uh, two or three people I've never met before and have me go, it's, uh, I don't know so. I, I, I'm not that extroverted. I can speak to an entire crowd of people, but, I, but when it comes sure. to building relationships right off the bat, it's a little difficult for me to go up. But even still, I'm a little bit of an, once I get to know you, which is probably I shouldn't be sharing the gospel message with you until I do, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still an extrovert. But 
DG, I know people. I know people who are not like us. Sure. Okay. So let let's just turn this discussion to this question. What do you say to the person who is extremely timid and shy, not outgoing? They have friends, but they're not the you know, let me share my life with you kind of people. And it's not because, and, and, and I don't think that everybody has to be like that. No. I mean, here I am, you know, and here you are. We, we're living our lives out loud in front of people on Twitter and, and right, technology right. and new media. I don't think that this is the, I don't think this has to be what Christianity is today. So what about the people who quietly lurk behind the scenes? They're, they're more gifted and talented in the area of, of supplying their, their, their sacrifice to the kingdom in ways that are not as outspoken or as bold. What do you say to those people who, who, when they are given an opportunity out of somewhere to to share the gospel, how did those people do it? I, I I'll I'll just I would go back to Frank Sans, Frank Francis, Frank Francis, I remember Saint Francis of Assisi who said, you know, preach the gospel everywhere you go, and if you have to use words. <laughs> You know, why can't those people live out the gospel through the simple, small actions? And it might just be praying for that person and realizing that maybe their maybe their response to the gospel is not necessarily even speaking it in a lot of cases. And but they have the ability to be able to provide, you know, the prevenient grace to be a, bring up a Wesleyan term, the, the grace that goes before mm-hmm. to be able to woo somebody closer and closer through the through the work of the Holy Spirit, through their actions and then, you know, somebody like you or me comes up and they, you know, they're like, and, and this, and the normal person would be like, you know, the only person that I know of that's a Christian that I've actually seen live out Christianity is this really shy person that lives in the back cubicle at work. And yet I've seen, I've seen her, you know, humility. Yeah. I've seen her bless me in ways that it, it would be complete self selfless acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I, I'm, I, I guess what I'm saying is if 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 they live out their life that way, you don't have to be an extrovert to be able to share Jesus Christ. Right. And and I don't think that I still don't think that handing a track out for them is going to be effective at what's going to be effective is them developing a relationship with people. And sometimes that happens over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so I, and so I can even see super shy people developing a relationship with a coworker over 20 years. And then that other person being able to see how the spirit's living and working through their life and bringing that person into a relationship with Christ. Right. No, no problems with that whatsoever. Right. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that we also all have to deal with our expectations for how the spirit touches people's lives right? and how God's, how this, how that sense of relationship is 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 the sense of desire to be in relationship with that with that other with God, uh, but also that sense of relationship that people are longing for and and desiring to have um, with other people as well as with God. That happens in multiple billions of ways. And if we keep on thinking it has to happen through these four spiritual laws or through this Roman road, which completely is t- taken out of context, I really can't stand the Roman road. <laughs> I mean, they're just pulling scripture left and right to yeah. make it say what they want to do. And like once again, I, I think that these things were created out of a good heart. I don't think God would smite them 
no, by no. saying you're doing it wrong. No. He would say, oh, I really appreciate your love that you're giving me. And you really do believe that you're loving these other people. But let's let, please, please pray about what would be the most effective. Yeah. And, and it's and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be something that you do if you feel like it. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a that's a huge challenge for a lot of Western Christians to deal with because we're so meat oriented, we're so consumeristic mind, minded that it's really really difficult <laughs> for us to realize that maybe this is who we are at our core uh, when we have a relationship with Christ and we live the life we live because that's who we are, not because we feel guilted into it or because we're gonna you know win some for the kingdom or something else like that. But this is just who we are. This is the new reality of, of kingdom yeah. living that we live. Yeah. In we, I, I tell you that I still struggle with the, the whole concept of compartmentalizing my faith. You know, right. you know, it, it's, it's kind of like I, sometimes I'll, it, the one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that, you know, I do this daily devotional show for one of my podcasts called the almost daily devotional. And I think it's the best thing that I ever did to come up with the term almost daily because I don't want it to be a legalistic requirement. But even at my core, I still struggle those days when I don't do an almost daily devotional. I feel like, oh, I didn't do that. Yeah. My uh, here goes another day without thinking about it's like. Why can't I just go the rest of my day praising God? Yeah. You know, is, is and and I have to question living, myself. Living within grace, exactly. <laughs> living within grace, and but still practicing the presence of God throughout the day. Sure. And 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 so, am I more concerned about the fact that I neglected some time alone with God, or am and and I have to ask myself this question: Or am I concerned what other people will think that I didn't quote unquote mm. have mm. a devotional time with God today and didn't release mm. the podcast? I wonder what they might think. Mm. And of course, that's why I recently did an almost daily devotional about people pleasing. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, good, good, I mean, yeah. it's like God. That's that's, these are the things that God's laying on my heart. It's like, you know, who, who am I here to please? Right. And I'm begging if you are a pastor and you listen to this, please stop being a people pleaser. Yeah. I'm sick of pastors that will not stand up for the kingdom because they're worried about the finances of the church or they're worried, you know, they they will not, they will let ignorant, ignorant Christians continue to be selfish and not challenge them because they're worried about what other people will think or they're worried about something else like that. They're not, you know, we are, yes, we are supposed to be serving other people. That's, that's a given. Welcome to Christianity. (laughs) But that should not dictate who we are as a church or who we are as kingdom people. Right. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I just I want to throw that out there because I've seen yeah. too many pastors make horrible decisions and not dealing with conflict because they're worried about what other people think or what it's going to do to the church or whatever yeah. else. And, and it's just it's really frustrating for me. Uh, and I say that without being a senior pastor, I understand, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 you'll know when you get there, you know, yeah. or something else like that. But I, I, you know, I pray that I can listen to God first and foremost. And I've told the senior pastors as, you know, as someone on their staff, let me go talk to him. <laughs> Release me. Let me be able to go talk to him. I want to talk to them. I want to eat dinner with these people that are frustrating you to no end. Mm-hmm. I want to get to know them and I want to be able to share to share with them. Why, why do you say these things? Mm-hmm. Why do you do these things? Why are you um, holding money out? Like it's a carrot 
Yep. And saying, I'm not going to give this to you unless you put my name here. Or it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and pastors, you should stop doing that if for no other reason to at least please DG. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be pleasing God, not me. <laughs> Uh, this whole, I I have, I've been listening to everything you've said and I've taken it in and and processed all of it, but I'm still stuck on the St. Francis from Assisi. One of the things I've been thinking of is, is why do you call him St. Francis of Assisi? Because that's a Catholic tradition to quote unquote, call certain people saints. And I'm thinking, Uh, can I just start calling you St. DG of Erlanger? Well, you just need to read the new Testament because you'll realize that Paul calls everybody a saint. Well, that's what I'm saying. Saints and so-and-so. Yeah, sure. Why not? St. DG of Erlanger over here. Go for it. St. Cliff of Hebron. There you go. So. Or would it be our hometown? Would it be like where we came from? <laughs> but like, you know, I'm the son of so-and-so. And yeah. yeah. I'm St. Cliff of cool. Fort Knox. <laughs> Were you born in Fort Knox? I was. Cool. Fort Knox, Kentucky on a bed of gold. Actually, <laughs> on no. On a bed of gold, yeah. <laughs> on a bed of straw that looked no. golden. <laughs> Ireland Army Hospital is where I was born. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so anyway, St. Francis of Assisi. I, you know, I, I still struggle with... The whole, um, what was it? Share the gospel with your life. Preach and, the gospel everywhere. I think. And, and if, we can, and if necessary, use your words. Yeah. I, I still struggle with just completely wholeheartedly accepting that phrase. Really? Yeah. I mean, you, you have to do something. No, 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 no. I no, mean, no. you have to say something. I, I think it gives a lot of people an out. I think it gives a lot of people an out. It gives them an excuse for not obeying sometimes the spirit's call in your life to to stand up and speak the truth there have been times in my life where well, yeah. where the holy spirit leads and prods you to to say something and you choose not to and instead you choose to just not participate sure and and by not participating you're participating participating if you're not participating by not you're choosing to exactly by not participating i am still sharing the gospel and i'm doing it with my actions and i can use that saint francis of assisi uh statement as a justification for my ignoring the spirit of god's prodding me to step up be courageous and speak the word of god into this circumstance. Yeah. I um and 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 I would question them and say, well, what are you doing then? <laughs> if you're not going to speak it, then what are you doing? <laughs> well, the, and some will argue, and that's why I'm saying, I I just yeah. I just I I didn't want to just blindly sure. throw out that statement and not have some more discussion on the topic of right. preaching the gospel, you know, with all that well, you and do. And I think that he basically is saying, but if you have to, use words. He's not saying don't ever use words. Right. That's part of it. Yeah, but he's saying. And what, you're, what you just explained to me was the spirit was telling you you have to use words. Okay. It's time okay. to use it. Okay. But, but uh, you know, I just, I, th- I think it's going to be much more powerful, much more effective if you if you speak, if it, well, if you speak with your actions Mm-hmm. Uh, if you show grace and if you bless others by your actions, um, then if you use words, the words come naturally through relationship. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's 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 the key that you're not even going to come close to having a relationship unless you started it with your actions first. Right. Um, and and, you know, relationship is is depends on communication. Mm hmm. Um, but you, I mean, and even if that action is walking up to someone and shaking their hand, it's still an action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was before any words were mentioned. Yeah. Um, 
or or something else like that. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not arguing, and I te- I definitely believe that we ought to continue to preach the gospel with our actions, with our daily lives, and our living sure. examples. But I just I I just want to throw in there are times when it is appropriate to speak up, and so course, what I want to say is there are two extremes that I've noticed. There are two streams. There is the extreme out there that says, I don't ever have to say anything because I'm an introvert. And all I have to do is live a godly life in front of people. And by golly, that's good enough. And I just don't believe that. I believe there are times that even the most introverted person, God would might, might possibly lay it on your heart. And if you feel compelled by the spirit to speak words into somebody's lives, life and and god's clearly laid that on your heart then by golly it is a disobedient act of sin for you not to do so um and and so therefore wow well that was a very condemning statement you just made well okay that was an act of sin whoa yeah whoa man well what what is what is sin missing the mark no. Yes. The original term of sin is an archery term, and it is missing the mark. Okay. Then the mark that God set for you is to speak to that person. <laughs> did you or did you not miss it if you chose not to speak? <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it seemed very condemning. I did. <laughs> okay. And and do and do we sometimes sin? Yes. I mean, it, uh, it, sometimes. It, sometimes. <laughs> it, it happens. So it's the, so the fact that I said it is not all that condemning. I mean, gosh, I it's not like I'm free from it. But what I'm saying, though, we, is... We always want to clarify. That's all this Yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, here's the other thing I was saying. The other extreme, and, 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 and I think it needs to be carefully watched for as well, and I, I, I even hear this even sometimes within my own organization that I go to on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> GSPN.TV. Exactly. <laughs> But I hear I hear hints of this thing where we need to be quote unquote ready for the pounce. What is it that a that a, uh, a um, an animal does as they are getting ready to pounce? They kind of you know you're they they prepare themselves in such a way that they're in such a situation that as soon as the opportunity allows, they will jump on top of their prey and devour it. But that that whole what do you know what that's called when you're when you're perched and you're ready for to spring into action? What, I mean, you, you don't think you described it ready I, for the pounce? Exactly. So basically, I, I really you're just believe crouched and you're yes about crouch, to attack crouching tiger, little Christian, whatever that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but the thing is, is what I what I'm getting at is I I hear so many people say, as a Christian. You should not enter any relationship unless you've always been prayerfully seeking for that opportunity where you can come in and slap them in wow. to one of those wonderful, godly conversations so that you can lead them to Christ. Wow. Always be on the lookout for when you might speak truth into their lives. Wow. And I hear, I don't, do you hear that? No. <laughs> really? You've never heard that? Uh, well, I mean, I can. Who are your? No, I I don't want to use anything specific because then I, I, there's. It's, it's the, not something that I don't think it's going to be here. Something you're going to hear super often in, in the United Methodist Church, um, and that's of course it's where it's, I grew up, and that's that's. My it's any evangelism. So. It's it's been in any evangelism training course that I've wow. ever heard of. Wow. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have, 
and do so with gentleness and respect right. is a that's verse the in the Bible. That's the scripture they're using as... Yes. as Always as be prepared, text. such as... So it's like, listen, you need to be prepared and you need to start... And, and I've heard this. You need to start practicing the verses that you'll use. Here are some illustrations. That, uh, the, right. the, the organization I was in prior to the one I'm in now... The pastor got up and and showed us three different ways we could share the gospel on a napkin. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and always be prepared for this because you never know. And you always have to be on the lookout when you're hanging out with your non-Christian friends. Always be on the lookout for this opportunity yeah. so that you can jump right in because you don't want to miss that opportunity when it comes. Sure. And it's like, I think that is an inauthentic way to approach relationships. Completely agree. Completely agree. And it's, and it's, it's. And the reason it's inauthentic is because you have an agenda that's not pure love, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a really skewed understanding of love, if that is if that is what what your agenda is. I mean, and and another thing is, I think a lot of people forget that this is honestly the work of the Spirit. It's not mm-hmm. up to us. That's exactly to bring right. Someone into a relationship with God, and 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 so that that is very freeing. To a lot of Christians, but it's very challenging to a lot of Christians as well. That you know, your goal and purpose as a Christian is to love inv- is people, to love period, love pe- love people, and love God, and um and through that love, and I and I believe that that love speaks so much louder in actions than in words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a prime example of that is I did not ever realize what my parents went through with me until I got to college. And then I would, I would just call them, you know, like I'd been to college for like almost, almost two months. And that's two months, the you know, first two months of my entire life that I've really been away from my parents for two months. You know, I've been away for two weeks before, but not two months. Mm-hmm. And I would call them because, I mean, God laid it on my heart. Oh my gosh, these people put up with a lot of me. <laughs> and I had to call them. I just, and I, I just would weep, weep crying saying, I had no idea what you guys, how you love me through your actions. I mean, through your actions was just amazing to me. It blew me away um, with your love. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, it's very frustrating for me when, if there's, if there is any, any language that even resembles an attack. Oh my gosh. That's not of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't see that. And it says be ready, but it says be ready because you love them. Yeah. That's your motivation is because you care so much about them and you love them yep. that you want to provide for them a community, mm-hmm. but also the the joy and the grace and the peace it's found with the relationship with, yeah. with Christ. And and of course that goes whole that goes back in and, and you can see some of the mentality that I grew up with in, in the in the various churches that I belonged to to is you know when i went in for the first time to go in to visit somebody in the hospital that's the mentality is like what am i supposed to do be on the ready what am i supposed to do here instead of just letting the spirit be my guide and going there with the purpose and intent of loving somebody that's and you said the exact same thing without having the attack language yeah what 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 they really should be saying is be aware of where God is already working. Yes. Practice that. Make that a discipline that when you walk into the mall, you have an opportunity to be able to show God's love and to let people know they are loved and appreciated. Mm-hmm. 
listen for where God's already at work and then join God with what he's doing yeah. and, and allow the spirit, be aware of the presence and the leading of the spirit. And that's, that's what they should be saying. Right. That's not attack language. That's not pouncing language. That's just being aware of your surroundings and knowing where you are at in the world right. and where other people are at in the world. And I think that it's, it is a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, to do that. And I've said, I've actually mentioned before the, uh, I think we called it mall missions, living out loud mm-hmm. that I, that, that we basically created when I was in, in college ministry and it was our evangelism training class. And all it was, was us going to the mall, praying with our eyes open and our heads up in the middle of the food court saying, God, show us who needs to know that, that they're loved, that you love them, that we love them, that we care for them. Just show us. And it could be us smiling at them. It could be us opening a door for them. We could take their food tray, whatever else, just show us who those people are. And then we would just go out for an hour and we would come back and we would just talk about who do we need to pray for. Yeah. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't know somebody's name. We, you know, we would just say there was a mom with three kids and she was so stressed out. Right. Uh, she was wearing a purple shirt. All right, let's just, you know, let's pray for her. Let's, let's ask that God can somehow be able to give her the strength to get through the day or whatever else. And we had different, and, it, and it, of course it evolved and we can go into that later some other time, but it's a great way of, of saying, hey, we're going to introduce you into a relational evangelism. It does not involve attract. It involves relationships. That's going to be the key and the focus. Right. Let's go on to some more feedback here no, so we good. can try to get a little bit of this in before we wrap up for that's today. Say, we've gone quite a, quite a while already. Yeah. Hi, it's Fred from Long Island. I'm calling for the About the Church podcast, and I'm up to episode 40 where you discuss the uh, charismatic gifts of the Spirit and also some other topics, which I actually haven't reached yet. But uh, I wanted to say this is a subject close to my heart because, uh, just to give you a little background, I was uh, born into a Catholic family. My my parents were not really attending church at the time I was born. Uh, They did return to church when I was about seven or eight years old. And at that time, in the 70s, there was this thing called the Charismatic Renewal Movement uh, going on in the Catholic Church. So they, they got really involved with that, and that was kind of a springboard for them. They actually ended up leaving the Catholic Church because they they found out in their situation that uh, the parish priest did not appreciate them going to these retreat centers and these other things outside the church that were uh, experiencing the charismatic gifts. So we ended up attending a bunch of uh, house churches and other you know, char- non-denominational charismatic gatherings and my parents are now uh, fast forward about 30 years really involved in in these um, revival movements that are going on in in Florida and other places with the very extreme outpouring of the gifts and I have to say my my reaction to this as a kid growing up um, it was not in my personality to participate in these things and I I, I've come to realize that uh, it really was just not in my spirit to participate in these things either. I, Cliff, I kind of felt like you, like I was the guy standing there quiet and kind of left out, you know. And uh, it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with that. And eventually I was okay with it. And DG, I, I was sort of adopted by a Methodist minister. And um, he showed me another side of things, you know, in my late teens. And I found that I fit in much more with the sort of more traditional uh, church service. Um, now, of course, you know, with 
the background that I had growing up, I'm I'm not averse to you know a, a praise song or you know things things getting a little enthusiastic. I'm fine with that. But where I question things is where uh, the activities that go on in a service get so far out of control that uh, Cliff, as you said, first of all, you can never have a visitor in in one of these meetings uh, who was an unchurched person. And the other thing is, you have to wonder, you know, where is where is the God of order in all this? You know, where is the one speaks and another has an interpretation, uh, which is something I don't think you really addressed. Uh, DG, you talked about the the tongues being uh, other languages that people were were given to speak, as in uh, Pentecost. But there's also that passage in First Corinthians where Paul talks about the the speaking of tongues followed by an interpretation. Now that might be a human tongue that the person doesn't understand, but the I think the implication there is a spiritual tongue. So I'm I'm still allowing for all of that. Obviously, it's in the scripture. We have to wrestle with it. Uh, but as far as my personal experience goes, the the abuses have been kind of out there too, and, and we have to be really really careful of those. So thanks a lot, guys, for addressing that topic, and I look forward to hearing uh, the rest of this episode and the ones to come. All right. Well, Fred, just so you know, in the rest of that episode, DG obviously did talk about the uh, interpretation uh, followed by, uh, yeah, following the actual speaking of tongues in public. So, um, but, but also, and also I just want to point out for those who are listening to this for the first time, I didn't say that you couldn't invite somebody into a gathering uh, who was a non-Christian. I said that it would be impossible for me to do so without feeling extremely awkward. And I, and I know this from experience because I did bring non-Christian friends to a Pentecostal gathering that I had where people were shaking spasmodically on the floor, running up and down and screaming and waving hanky chips, handkerchiefs. Hanky chips. Hanky chips. That's awesome. So uh, they're hankies. And yeah. and uh it's kind of like what my parents call it polyticken. Yeah. Is that what they call it? My grandmother called it polyticken the whole time, yeah. So Oh, they're polyticken. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. It's West Texas. But anyway, the, the so I I but yeah, it, it definitely there are there were times when it felt very uncomfortable for me sure. to invite a non-Christian into that 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 culture of right. praise. Because it would be such a shock. Yeah. To Yeah. All right. So, uh, but thank you. I'm I'm so glad you're listening. And, and, and so not only is Fred listening to the family from the heart, but he is leaving feedback for the about the church (laughs) podcast. How cool is that? Yeah. And, and just, you know, and you, you, you answered what I would, you know, through, through my study, it's, it has always been debated, um, that they that you said that, you know that there's a need for interpretation and and you, you said it yourself well I guess it could be other languages and someone have to interpret it and I'm like yeah well that would be the, that would be the one that I would choose <laughs> exactly so uh, let's uh, that's just me personally I this is the last this. feedback we have and and so we're gonna ask you guys uh, give us a call area code eight five nine seven nine five four zero six seven so we'll have some more feedback for future shows again area code eight five nine seven nine five four zero six seven and we'll let Jeff Roney uh, give his response to our Gifts of the Spirit cool. talk. Hey, uh, Cliff and uh, DG. This is Jeff Roney on my walk, day two of my revisiting my fitness plan. Woohoo! Nice. You guys uh, discussed a um, little response to my feedback about charismatic gifts. And what's interesting is DG kind of did a, I think, a normal average. The way people respond to that kind of thing, 
uh, went straight to speaking in tongues and slain in the spirit and that kind of a thing and you know I, I think in the general mindset that's there but there's really a lot of other good things that are happening too and uh, I think some of it is actually really beneficial there's word of wisdom word of knowledge I think when people come together God gives certain people things to speak to somebody else and sometimes it's not you know shaking and weirdness but it's just <laughs> you know I feel God wants you to know this and again you know I think in some churches some people feel like the older you are or the more elevated you are in the church than you can but I think God speaks to people all the time and I think we just miss it and anyway I think it's a, a path of learning what is God and what is not and if it is we need to at least step out and at least share uh, do the best we can to convey what God wants to say and also uh, prayer for the sick because if you don't use that type of a gift when God gives you uh, compassion and uh, you know the unction or impetus to uh, pray it for works. folks that are sick then that's what gives people like Benny Hinn and other of these flashy televangelists the clout to do it so I think that God really wants to spread out that type of uh, action of praying for the sick and belief and God doesn't heal everyone but he'll heal more if we ask so that's kind of where I'm at but uh, anyway I think the gifts have got uh, a bad rap because there's bad models that are clearly visible to people definitely and I think if people I love the plane going overhead good models that'll be a good thing so Thanks for listening to my rambling. Great show. Talk to you guys soon. See thank you. you. Jeff, thank you so much for your feedback. And I want to read to you guys. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the today's new international version, but it happens to be one I have sitting here. So uh, listen to this. Uh, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, <laughs> adding the sisters in there, because uh, we don't want to leave the sisters out now. No. All right. How about just family? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, or I would paraphrase that is, I just don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. Ignorant. Ignorant. All right. So anyway, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced or led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I wanted you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except for by the Holy Spirit. There is different. There are different kinds of spirit gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, or to build up the entire body, is my paraphrase. Mm -hmm. uh, to one, there is given the, through the Spirit of a message of wisdom. To another, the Spirit... Uh, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, malicious, or mir not malicious, <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. 
um, to another speaking different kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of those tongues. All these are at work of all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes to them each just as he uh, determines and I and you know Jeff I think you're right and and I think that this does happen when the gifts of the spirit come up especially around this this topic and this phrase and this portion of scripture for me it always does bring up the heated arguments that I've had sure. with the people with many people from the charismatic faith that have told me, that because I don't exhibit the gift of speaking in tongues, then, you're not saved. then I am not saved right. or I have not experienced the fullness of what God has to offer to me. And, and, and of course, my argument being back to them was, you know, it, it, it's the same spirit. He works in all of us. He gives and he distributes these things as he pleases. And so far, he has not been pleased to give that to me. Right. And I'm not going to beg or plead with him to give me a gift that he doesn't see that I need to build up the body. He's given me other ones. And and so you're right. I, I do get stuck on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, whenever the, the topic of these gifts of the spirit comes up, we do focus on that. We sometimes forget to talk about the gift of wisdom, the gift of discernment. That's one I, I really believe that that God has. Re- that's one of the gifts that I think that God has laid on my heart mm-hmm. is a gift to be able to discern what is right and wrong, uh, what what is a godly desire and what is not a godly desire, uh, and to help people to to work through maybe some situations where they just seem very clueless as to what's the right thing or the wrong thing or what's sure. the wise thing for me to do. And it's like for me to look into it, it's like. Well, here's it's clear that God says this, right? Yeah, and and to give and right. and to walk. So God's giving me that, and of course, the gift of encouragement uh, is is or to to bless others and to uplift and to edify. You know, the, there's and the, you know we talk about healing. I do believe God has called us. If any of you are sick, call together the elders of the church, lay hands on, pray for one another. Um, these are things that God has clearly called us to do, uh, and and it. Does Bible does talk about the fact that we ought to pray for healing, and so I guess the controversy comes in with with just how many times we expect God to answer these prayers in our own ways. It's those expectations. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's it definitely is the expectations and the expectations for what we understand is healing. Mm-hmm. I mean, healing comes in multiple forms, and death is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people don't want to hear that because they want to hold on to the status quo. They want to hold on. Um, but sometimes the ultimate form of healing in, in, in the torturous bodies that some people are having to live in is death, mm-hmm. uh, and, and new life afterwards. Of course. Yes. And, and so it's just, it's, it's a huge challenge uh, to a lot of people. I, you know, I had a really great discussion with uh, a Korean United Methodist pastor. Um, and there are a lot of people that are very passionate about, about healing and praying for healing and, and even praying that God would raise people from the dead, uh, I know of a Hispanic guy in Santa, in Santa Fe that was telling me that they really believed that if they prayed enough, then this dude was going to be raised from the dead. And so, and they said, if you don't believe that, then get out of the room because we're going to be praying for it. You know, right. I mean, he's just you know he's a pretty hardcore guy um, and and charismatic. I would I would I would I would you know I hate to give labels, but you know that was the only label that, that kind of comes to mind when I say that. But you know, and I, and I had this I, going back to the healing thing. I had this conversation with with the Korean and and um, and I said. So you, you know, if you pray for ultimate healing uh, and it doesn't happen in the expected, in the expected way that you desired for it to do, 
I know a ton of agnostics and atheists that prayed for that healing to happen with expectations for how that healing would occur. And they completely lost any relationship with God because they were so upset and so frustrated and so hurt that God didn't answer it in their way of understanding of what healing was. And, um, and so I, you know, I always just, I just challenge everybody, you know, what are your expectations when you pray for healing? Um, you know, are you talking about spiritual healing? Are you talking about physical healing? Are you talking about mental healing? Are you talking about death maybe? Um, and, and how do we deal with those things as Christians? And, I'm, and I'm, there is no, there's not necessarily answers to that, but I would say everyone needs to wrestle through their expectations. Right. Um, one of the greatest challenges that we all have in this world is expectations. Mm-hmm. I completely think that's a huge reason for a lot of a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of ignorance is expectations. Um, we we were doing a study this week in our home team Bible study group that meets here. Um, this past week, the sermon was raising Lazarus from the dead, and I didn't realize this, but you know, of course, I I, I know the story. Jesus comes a couple of days after Lazarus has already passed on, right. and his body stinketh in, yeah. the, in the King James <laughs> version of the Bible. Uh, but uh, it does. It literally says stinketh. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. So uh, anyway, um, it what had, what we had learned is that it had been beyond three days, and that there was a belief back then that it that the spirit. Uh, this was in the one of the footnotes of the Life Application Study Bible, oh, yeah. or one of them. But it said that there was a cultural belief that at the time that it, that the soul stayed with the body for up to three days. And mm. that you could pray the soul back into the body mm. uh, back then. And, and of course, it, it, by the time Jesus had got there, it had been beyond that time frame. And that's why it was such a big deal. It's like, why couldn't you have come sooner? And, uh, you know, Jesus basically uh, was dealing with people's expectations back then. It's like, listen, I don't expect God can do anything here. And just to show that God is is beyond what people believe can and cannot be done, he, nothing's beyond me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing I love about Lazarus, when when it says Jesus wept, because mm-hmm. that's I think that's the one. That, yeah, he, he only is. cried twice. Uh, well, that we read about when he's looking out over Jerusalem and saying, mm-hmm. you know, why, like a mother gathers her chicks, blah 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 blah. But but that one, he was, says he wept. But what you read in there is he's he's he. It says out of indignation. So I mean, he's frustrated. <laughs> he's crying because he's frustrated, not because he's sad because or something sadder. like that. Because they're not getting it. Oh my gosh! Would you please get this? I mean, this is so. This is peas and carrots to God here. He's like, <laughs> dude, I'm so gonna be gone in a couple weeks. Exactly. You've got to be getting this by exactly. now. Exactly. But no one reads that indignation. Yeah, uh, and of course they want to they want to interpret it and stuff like that. But that's one of the ways of interpreting that is he was crying out of frustration. He was like, "Oh gosh, yeah, why?" Well, the, get it? I, I wonder if there if in places in the Bible where it says and and he was moved with compa- great compassion for them, if that doesn't just like is a keyword for he had yeah. tears welling up in yeah, his eyes, well up, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. But yeah, I think that and I, I think there was a there's a very um, Hebraic understanding that there is no there is no separation of of um body and soul Mm -hmm. that they are so closely intertwined that even if your body is decaying and turns into dirt you know ash to ash kind of a thing dirt dust to dust 
that your soul is so intrinsically connected to your body that when resurrection occurs, it will be a renewed body, but it will be the same body. I mm-hmm. mean, it'll be, it'll, it, there will be parts of it that will be the same. People might not be able to recognize you up front, just like they did with Christ. But when he breaks the bread, they're like, oh, we know who you are now. Yeah. And there's just something of a glorified body that's just a little bit different, but he still had the scars. I mean, he still yeah. he still was recognized when people woke up to it. So Sweet. Well, folks, that's our show for this week, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. We are certainly I've thankful. Yes, I have too. And we are certainly thankful to the 12 people in the chat room and the 23 people viewing on Ustream. Yes. It is very cool to have some folks who are able to join us. Or 21 us. people because you and I are probably two of those Ustream. This is true. <laughs> and the 10 people in the chat room because we're two of the chat. So anyway, yeah, we would not want to overinflate our numbers. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, the, th- the truth is, is that we're just excited that on a Tuesday morning people would wake exactly. up or take break out of their day just to hang out with us. And of course, there are hundreds and hundreds of people who are downloading this uh, every oh, yeah. week. And, and we you. thank you for that, letting us speak into your lives and sharing our faith with you. I mean, because we, we realize in, in today's society, in today's culture, um, it's it's not easy to sit there and let other people just tout on about what they believe and share about it and and hopefully we've done that in a way that is is not so overly offensive but is in a way a, a, a reflection of of who we are and who our God is and we have not done too much of a disservice uh, to him through our conversations but uh, instead have let his light shine through us to you and uh, I just want to say I believe in God and I love him. And he is awesome. And if you do not know God, I just pray from the bottom of my heart that, that you will begin to investigate a faith in Christ. In community. And <laughs> in community. <laughs> and so with that, folks, we want to say thank you. Uh, if you want to help to support what we're doing here, there's a way you can do that by becoming a gspn.tv plus member. And that's over at gspn.tv slash plus. But really what we want for you to do like right after you're done listening to this, call area code 859-795-4067. Punch that into your speed dial and give us a call whenever you want. Ask us your questions. Leave us your comments for the, generally speaking, About the Church podcast. Nice. Y'all take it easy. God bless you. All right, bye.